CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Thursday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're glad you've joined us. Looking forward to being with you. We set this time aside every weekday afternoon to answer questions about the Bible and a whole lot more. So if you got a question you'd like to ask us, if you've been reading your Bible, maybe uh, sharing your faith, someone's asked you a question. We want to be able to give you a good, solid biblical answer for the hope, the faith that lies within us. And again, we all build our our lives on something. Somebody said to me one time, you mean to tell me you, you, you base your life on everything the Bible says? And I said, well, by the nature of your question, you base your life on something. What do you base your life on? Something to think about. Because again, everybody goes somewhere for their reason they live. And again, if you believe what you believe because of the words in Top 40 Radio, or maybe what uh, the the uh, sitcoms tell you, or maybe uh, what your friends are telling you that are half drunk or stoned all the time. You got real problems. You see, if you believe wrong, you live wrong. That's why Jesus said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Joining me today, special guest, featured CSN speaker in the morning times. Here we have with us Daryl Skinner from Calvary Chapel, Pearl Harbor, Honolulu, Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha, Mike, and aloha to all the listeners out there. Great to be with you once again. Looking forward to the program. And you know, these are exciting times we're living in, Mike. And like you just shared about the apologetics of our faith, defending our faith, contending for the faith, uh, sharing the, the, the truth of God's word and declaring the uh, uh, the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel he's given us. These are exciting days of salvation, Mike. And, and to all the listeners out there, I'd like to encourage you once again, invite family and friends that are not saved to church, maybe a coworker, maybe a fellow student, whoever it might be, invite them to church this Sunday and let them hear the word of God. Let the power of the Holy Spirit through the word of God work in their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, and hopefully, prayerfully, they'll be saved this Sunday. So it's exciting times, Mike. These are days of salvation, days of discipleship. We're living in the last days. The rapture is just about upon us, and we're looking forward to what God has in store for us. Mike? Yep, being about our daddy's business. So important Amen. in the days that we live. 8888, Ask CSN is the number to call if you want to be part of the program today. Got some lines open. If you call right now, you're sure to get on, and we'll go ahead and go to the phones. We have Dan on the line, Eric uh, in um, Erie, Pennsylvania. Hi, Dan. Hi, how you doing? How may we help? I really enjoy your program. I praise the Lord for it. I, list, I look forward to it every day. God's good. Uh, my question is, uh, uh, at last night at prayer meeting, our pastor, as he was closing out the prayer meeting praying, he made, uh, in his prayer, he made uh, a comment, I'm going to paraphrase it, is that we, be, that we can become as little Christ. And that bothered me. And it still bothers me. I didn't ask my pastor what he meant by that. Maybe I should have. I didn't. But I, I know the Mormons say we become as gods. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, you, and, certainly, certainly, Dan, you could ask him what he meant by this. Now, now they were first called Christians at Antioch. The word Christian was uh, Christians were, were were not really a 
a uh, flattering statement. Uh, it, it doesn't mean, oh, look at the Christ-like ones. No, it meant literally, look at the little Jesuses over there. That's what they were, were referring to. And uh, I believe that, again, if, if it's just simply that we're mimicking our, our, our Savior, I don't think there's a problem with it. But on the other hand, in this idea that we're going to become God yourself, the same lie that Lucifer told, the serpent told Eve in the garden, eat of the tree and you'll be as God. Well, we find the same problem today, even in religions that somehow profess some knowledge of Christ, saying, oh, well, you're going to be God. Well, that's the same lie that Satan told Eve. Don't buy that. Jesus said that we are his children. We're not co-equals or little gods. Now, this is one of the problems that you find with a lot of the Midwestern health, wealth, doctrine teachers that, um, you know, snakes begin snakes and cats beget cats and God begets gods. That is full-on demonic heresy. We are not gods. We are servants of the Most High. We are his children and we are his bride-to-be. But when it goes beyond that, I believe that there's real problems. So, Dan, he might have just been referencing the actual rendering of the word Christian uh, when they were at Antioch, or uh, maybe he's getting into some weird stuff. I think you could ask him your thoughts. You know, as we look to uh, the statements that sometimes pastors make, you know, they might just make making a statement off the cuff. But it's always good to follow up and just have a, a nice conversation, find out what is really meant by that. I know the word Christian has that Latin suffix at the end, I-A-N, which means belong to. We belong to Christ. The Bible says throughout the book of Ephesians, we are in Christ. Uh, we are the body of Christ uh, and so forth. Uh, and But yet no one can replace Christ. No one can p- compare themselves to Christ. He is the one and only. He is the anointed one of God. He is the son of God, the second person of the Trinity. And uh, and yet the Lord gives us the ability to have uh, uh, authority in his name over demons and so forth as we declare Christ. But it's his authority in his name of which that authority is found. I love what he says in Matthew 28, 18. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. And this is, a, this is the exciting part of what our Lord does. We preach the word of God. We teach the word of God. We teach in the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus. There's only one intercessor, uh, one mediator between God and man. That is the man, Christ Jesus, who died and gave his life a ransom for many. So uh, I would I would ask him, find out what exactly he meant, and then uh, run from there before so many times our minds can run in different directions with things. Mike? Yeah, I would ask him. I think that would be fair. And, and uh, mm-hmm. just say, I, I heard you say that, and... Just wonder what you meant by that. And uh, he goes, well, we're, we're little gods. Well, then you got a problem. If he just yeah, says, oh, I'm just refer- referencing how oftentimes the world looks at us, uh, well, that's all right. So, Dan, hope that helps. All right, thank you. Stay online if you like. Send you out some books, some DVDs for calling in. Let's go to Rob. Honolulu, Hawaii. Aloha. Hey, pastors. Thank you for taking my call today. Hi. Uh, my question is, if there's a difference between 
hell and the lake of fire, because I know sometimes hell in the Bible is referenced to Hades, Sheol, or Gehenna. Yes. So I just wanted to see if there's a difference between the two. Yeah, there is. I believe that uh, hell, where we get the word hell, the rich man and Lazarus, for instance. The rich man fared sumptuously every day, Lazarus the poor man. We find that when they both died, he went to a place called Abraham's bosom because Jesus had not died on the cross yet, made the ultimate sacrifice. The blood of bulls and goats could only cover the sin. It couldn't remove the sin. And so Abraham's bosom, where's where the patriarchs of old, those that died in faith, went, waiting the great death of Jesus Christ, that blood that was shed for not only us, but for them too. And he led captivity captive. That side of of Sheol, the place of the grave, is closed down. But now on the other side of Sheol, we call it hell. This is where the rich man went. He was tormented in the fire. Uh, He was very much aware of, uh, he had five brothers. He was aware that he was thirsty. He knew who Lazarus was. He he, he even referenced uh, Abraham. So so uh, this idea of soul sleep, of course, is not in the Bible. Jesus never taught it or anything like that. Uh, but actually, there is a consciousness after we die, leave this body, there's a consciousness that's there. Now, they go to this place awaiting the great white throne judgment at the end of the millennial reign of Christ. That's when the big rap is over. Everything is done. And those are not found in the written in the book of life or cast in the lake of fire, the eternal place of Gehenna forever. Uh, it's not annihilation. Very clearly, the book of Jude says that they will be tormented day and night forever. It does not say they're just a flash in the pan. Hell is just a figment of your imagination. It isn't even a real place when you get into what the cults teach. No, it's real. In fact, two things, again, always remember the cults have in common. Jesus Christ is not God. Number two, hell is not a real place. They always, they always, they always have those two in common. And both are horribly inaccurate. So, very quickly, why at the end of the millennial reign of Christ? Because our works, even though we die, being a Christian or not a Christian, follow us. You think of the person that started a cult. Maybe there was 30 people in the cult when it was started. Now there's millions of people in that cult. Um, Can you imagine the judgment of God for that lie that misled millions of people? Think about the people that are teaching evolution as fact. Oh, they call it a theory, but the way it's presented in schools is anything but a theory. It's presented as fact. There's no no evidence for it. I mean, there's no transitory, transitional life forms. Transitory life form is, well, uh, the cat was having cats and cats and cats, and then one day, you know, that time of the year, it's hard having dogs. That's a transitory life form. It doesn't exist. Transitional life form, excuse me, transitional life form, that, that would be that. Transitional life form is, again, uh, where um, horses aren't horses anymore. They become giraffes. Well, the DNA, of course, locks that out from happening. There are none living. There are none fossilized anywhere on Earth. Now, this creates a real problem because if you're going to have a theory, you should have some kind of an evidence for it. Well, even Darwin himself said, the problem with my theory is there are no transitional, transitory life forms that prove my point. Well, that's a pretty important one to have. So, again, um, when people promote a lie, knowing it's a lie, I believe they're going to be judged for that. And even though they're long gone, Darwin's long dead, um, his lie that he started 
is still misleading people. I believe there's a tremendous judgment. Jesus himself said, some will be beaten with many stripes, some with few, but they all end up in the lake of fire forever. And the idea that, well, you know, the Bible says, uh, uh, everybody will, will bow their knee and confess that Jesus is Lord. See, in the end, everybody gets saved. Again, heresy. Very true uh, that, that uh, people will twist God's word. There is too many verses. Jesus spoke 11 times about hell in the Gospels. It's a real place. It's a real place of eternity. And uh, it is not a temporary uh, place to burn off your bad karma. It's a place where you are there forever. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verse uh, 14 says, Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. Another false teaching we find out there is the doctrine of purgatory propagated by the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, that doctrine is not found within the scriptures. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27 that once a man dies, then comes the judgment. So there's no second chances once someone dies. You need to be a born-again Christian. You need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Ask God to forgive you of your sins, and and then you're saved. But without that, you're not saved. You can be religious and not saved. We see that with the religious leaders of Jesus' day. They're very religious, and they appeared to be leading people to God, but they weren't. They had their own self-styled religion. Jesus said, you must be born again of the Holy Spirit. You need to receive him as a Lord and Savior and a true disciple of Jesus Christ, be one who wants to know Jesus, love Jesus, and follow the Word of God. That's a disciple. And as we get saved, that's what happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. He leads us into all truth, which is the Word of God. And so it's important for us to realize that uh, there is no purgatory. As Mike said, there is no soul sleep, and, and there is no annihilation. Uh, these are false teachings found uh, in various organizations and cults, and we need to go to the Holy Scriptures and find out what it truly says. Jesus says, in the lake of fire, in literally, as we many times can refer to it as hell, the eternal death, the eternal punishment, rather, we find that there is weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. These people are very much alive, but it's also a place of outer darkness. It's a place of torment. It's dark, but yet they're being tormented in a flame, and and they're weeping and they're wailing, and there's no second chances. So it's important for people to realize, come to Christ today before it's too late for their souls, and God has great plans and great blessings for all for eternity. Mike? Amen. Hope that helps. Yes, thank you, Pastor. But I have one quick follow-up question to that. So when Satan is thrown into the pit in Revelation, and then he's released after a thousand years, is that still hell? I, I believe he, his, he, he literally is bound in hell. Um, the lake of fire is their ultimate resting, or not resting, but ultimate torment place. Uh, that, that, that There they'll be there forever. But I do believe he will be bound from interfering with humankind for that thousand-year reign of Christ. But at the end, right before the thousand-year reign is up, he goes out, the Bible releases him. Everybody has had to live righteously. They've lived in a perfect government, perfect food, perfect environment, perfect everything. And it is interesting, the Bible says that sand is on the seashore. They come against Jesus Christ. They're in Jerusalem to make war with him. With a word, Jesus speaks. They're annihilated. I, I mean, they're all killed. They're going to stand judgment. Uh, and uh, then the books are opened. Satan, of course, is 
Castle Lake of Fire, never to be a an issue again on this earth, in heaven, or eternity. Uh, and those that believe the lie and rebelled against God get the same punishments. Pretty tough. You know, when you stop to think that Jesus gave up all the worship of heaven, all the glory of heaven, all the comfort of heaven, to come down, to be born in a dirty manger, to have uh, people laugh and ridicule, pull out his beard, spit on him, um, um, then die a gruesome death on the cross. Hell must be a pretty terrible place for somebody that loved us to go through all of that to keep Mm. us from us. And that's what I always tell people. I don't know all that hell is, but I know that what Jesus went through to keep us out of it uh, was was no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for a friend. So, Rob, hope that helps. Stay in line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs, okay? Thank you very much. Amen. God bless you guys both. Well, mahalo, and, God bless you. and uh, we'll uh, get those out to you. God bless you. Let's go to Susan, Dallas, Texas. Hi, welcome. Oh, wow. Hello. Susan? Susan? Susan, are you there? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Susan. Yes, I'm here. Okay. Well, Hi. we're here, too. How can we help? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. This is a, this is a scenario. I'm a senior citizen now. Uh, when I was young, I had this uh, gift of hearing. I could hear voices. My parents, well, they put me on a, a psychotic uh, medications very early in my life, but I wasn't crazy or, or violent for myself or anyone else. And uh, anyway, I, right now at this time in my life, I'm hearing the voices of these two men that are vying, trying to win my soul, my body. And some of it's just very uh, you know, I would say sexual. Um, I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm not uh, into the world, into the life. I work at a secular store, and uh, I mind my manners. Mm. And I just, I'm just wondering why, how I can stop this audio tournament. I mean, everyone seems to about it and they know about it. And so I realized I'm not crazy. This is really happening. And, and that uh, they call me an apple. And she's not genius, genius thing. And uh, she's not a, a back. You know, I'm not, you know, wild or loose. I'm not using drugs. So uh, I want to stay in because I know this time is short and that the rapture is imminent and sooner than, than later. And we've got to get ready and, 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 and yeah, mind, body, and, and soul be ready for it. And I don't want to be snatched away. I know God loves me. I'm just tired of hearing these voices. And if there's any way, you know, other than that medication, I'm not to take that. God knows what's happening. Well, we'll pray for you. We'll pray for you that that goes away. But, you know, Daryl, what would you what would you tell her about all these different things? You know, I, I think one thing that's vitally important, Susan, is that you uh, obviously you pray and you seek the Lord on this. I would also, uh, the Bible says there's wisdom found in a multitude of counselors. And I would, I would encourage you to get pastoral counseling as well as uh, medical counseling. Uh, sometimes there is a, can be a, a, a short circuit in the brain waves. 
and these voices can come. Sometimes it can be demonic. Uh, and we just are trying to discern between the two. Uh, I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I also believe that sometimes we do need medications to help us through uh, various uh, uh, infirmities within our own personal bodies. Uh, and so that's where I, I would suggest the, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. But before we, I'm sure when we, before we hang up with you, we'll pray for you. Mike, I'll hand it back to you. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, my heart goes out to you, dear, because, because, uh, you know, many times in life we are troubled by many, many things, but I think you did the right choice and that's bringing it to the Lord. Can we pray for you, Susan? Of course. Of well, course. let's, let's pray right now. Father, we just pray that you would, Help Susan in every way, body, mind, and spirit. Lord, these things that she has going on in her life that she doesn't like, these these voices and things, Father, you just take them away and that she would hear your voice. And as she reads your word, that you would speak to her through your word so she would know about your great love for her. And so we just ask you now that your Holy Spirit would touch her, heal her, restore her, God, mm-hmm. empower her by your Holy Spirit, and may you just do wonderful, great things through her life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Susan, we'll look for God to do a miracle. Uh, stay on the line. We got some books, some DVDs for you, okay? Thank you, okay. God bless you, dear. Thanks so much you. for the call. Stay on the line. We'll get those out to you. Let's go to David, San Antonio, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. How may bless we help? Yes, how many um, I had a question about evolution. I know you always talk about that. I have a brother who's fully into that. We came from monkeys, and it's kind of having a discussion with him without, you know, because he doesn't fully believe that the Bible's true. So, what is some what are some good arguments that you have against that? Well, again, there there is so many problems with that. Where are the transitory life forms of monkeys turning into humans? Where do you find that? Where is anything fossilized? Now, they say, oh, we, we found the tooth of the Piltdown Man. We, we, and, and they make a whole skeleton from this, and you have the, you know, the little evolutionary chart where it's got the monkey, and then he stands up high, and then pretty soon he's a little bit taller, and then he grows a beard, and, you know, all, all this kind of crazy stuff. The problem is it's all bogus. There's nothing true. Now, not only is there no transitional life forms— to go from a monkey to a human, there, there is nothing there, living or fossilized. There should be millions and millions living right now, trading up, but we don't find them anywhere on earth. We don't find them anywhere in history, and we don't find them in the fossil record. So really, I got to tell you, David, believing in evolution is more of a, uh, uh, a step of faith, you might say, than believing in that God created us. Because an evolution says a billion years ago, nothing happened. Or at best, lightning hit a swamp and a bunch of squiggly things started moving around. Where we're saying in the beginning, God created everything. It takes a lot less faith, honestly, to believe that God created everything than it does to believe in a myth called evolution with no fossilized records. Not only between monkeys and humans, but anything else. Now, you're going to find small dogs and big dogs, small horses, tall horses. But a horse is a horse, of course, of course. And that's the big problem that you have with evolution. There are no 
transitory transitional life forms fossilized or living anywhere in the world. And this is one of the great problems that they have. So they have to then brand it as a theory, but it's accepted as fact. And it is completely the biggest lie that's ever been perpetrated, I believe, on humankind. Because, again, to believe this much, to have this widespread taught in our schools, our colleges, with no evidence, is absolutely unbelievable. And again, they're, they're, uh, as they go back now, they realize, well, over a period of billions of years, well, wait a minute, what are you going to do about the sun diameter? They've been measuring it since 1850. Every year it gets smaller. Uh, it's the second law of uh, thermodynamics, the law of diminishing return. You light a candle, come back in an hour, it's not bigger, it's smaller. Okay, that's the same thing with the sun. You go back the billions of years they need for evolution, you got the diameter of the sun out by Jupiter. No time to evolve. See, these are the problems. And they, they, they just pick and choose like a smorgasbord to build their own religion called evolution. Uh, and it's completely bogus. There are similarities in species. I believe that. Certainly you're going to see that. But again, to make a hop from a horse to a giraffe, man, you're going to have to have millions and millions of fossilized creatures in the process and living today. They're simply not there. Daryl, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, even looking at the universe and the way the, the sun and the earth are separated in such a matter that the earth is just in the perfect spot, not too close where we burn up, not too far away where we freeze up. You look at the uh, the weather systems that we have and the, the seasons that we have, how it all operates so perfectly so that we have these these systems that are producing the, uh, the 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 fruit and the vegetables and everything that we have uh, that we are able to partake of. When we look at the, everything reproducing after itself, this is God's design, as we read about it in the Book of Genesis. I would encourage you to ask your uh, brother. I think you said it was uh, to go to Answers in Genesis that website. They've got a lot of great information. Yes. It debunks a lot of the false ideas of evolution and you can go step by step if he if he's a sincere inquirer about for truth and uh, and you can take him there and then the other thing i would do is challenge him and say you seem to not want to believe the bible what is it that you don't believe in and then get him to be more specific than just making a, a blanket statement i found a lot of people just parrot what they heard at by some university professor or some relative and they need to get down to uh hard cold facts mike David, I hope that helps. Yes, it did. Thank you so much. God bless Stay you on the line. I'll send you out some books, some DVD. I have a, a DVD called Evolution Versus God. Perfect for what you want. Stay on the line. I'll send it out to you for free. We're coming up on a break, everyone. We don't want you to go away. We'll have more right after this. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better 
Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. CSN International welcomes you to actively participate in the continued growth of the radio network through donations. CSN is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and as such, CSN is able to accept tax-deductible donations of cash, stocks, bonds, real or personal property, automobiles, and other worldly assets, including broadcasting stations and broadcasting equipment. You can make a big difference for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, you can go online to csnradio.com to donate, or you can mail your donations to CSN International, Post Office Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. You can also donate by calling today with your financial support at 1-800-357-4226. This is CSN International. Welcome you back to this portion of the program on this Thursday afternoon with Daryl Skinner. I'm your host, Mike Kessler, and we're just going to go right back to the phones. We have Dave on the line, Medford, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Welcome, brothers. Um, look, I want to start by saying I'm not, I am not a Reformed Calvinist, but I have some good friends who are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm pretty confident in my understanding of the sovereignty of God and election and predestination. But one of the things that they say a lot is, well, you have to, you can't understand the gospel unless you understand Romans chapter 9, which I always thought was kind of funny because I thought the gospel was the gospel. But um, they, they, they place a ton of importance on Romans chapter 9. And I just wanted to hear your take on that. Okay, Daryl, your thoughts. Uh, in reference to Romans chapter 9, what are they telling you? Well, you know, they use the passage from about Pharaoh, you know, um, and, you know, about, you know, to talk about predestination. And then I always get into this discussion with them. It's like, all right, well, I understand predestination. The Bible teaches predestination. But then to me, it's like, well, you're talking about double predestination, and they don't really like that term. <laughs> They never really answer it. They're like, well, what do you mean by that? I'm like, well, I think you know what I mean. I, I, I believe that people are predestined to be saved to the kingdom of hell, but I don't believe that people are doubly predestined, you know, to, to hell. Um, otherwise, why do we need the gospel? And they, they kind of avoid that. So um, it, it's really that. And, and to me, Romans chapter 9 is more about Israel and the Jews than, yes. than, than really taking it into a much broader uh, sense of, like I said, predestination and double predestination. I think I think they just take it way too far. But yeah, I wanted to hear from the pastors on that. 
Well, I, I appreciate I asked you that because I want to get a little more clar- uh, clarification in regards to Romans 9, what, what they're presenting to you. You know, it is interesting. You know, I mean, it all boils down to the basics of John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Uh, salvation is equal to all humanity across the world. Otherwise, God would have said, no, I've only loved the elect, uh, and I've, the others I've hated. Uh, every man, woman, and child on planet Earth from the beginning of time, from Adam and Eve, have had the choice to receive or to reject God, their creator, and to receive or reject Jesus Christ, the Savior. And for us to say that God has determined that this group of people have, have been divinely elected for hell is anti-Bible, it's anti-scriptural. And and to say that uh, that uh, there's only this elect few and nobody else has opportunity is wrong. God's salvation is available for all people, to Jew, to Greek, to slave, to bond, or free. The Bible talks about all people. And so when we look to the scriptures in Romans 9, I think you, you're you looking at Romans 9 correctly. Romans 9, 10, 11 is dealing with the Jewish people and the remnant that's going to be saved in into the, uh, the from the past to the future. Uh, as we look towards the tribulation period, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the Jewish people. And God is talking about that. He's also talking about how we've been grafted into uh, uh, into that lineage of salvation in which the promise of Messiah was given to Abraham and to David and so forth. So this is important that we realize these things. But I, I always share with people, look, God never told me to preach Calvin. He told me to preach Christ. That's what it's all about. I preach Christ Jesus crucified and resurrected. It is the power of God unto salvation. And I don't, uh, I leave the rest up to the Lord. I just preach the word of God. And you need to be born again of the Holy Spirit. You need to be a child of God. You need to get saved. And we're all born in sin. Now we need to get saved. So this is what it's all about. Mike, I'll hand it over to you. Yeah. And, and you have to remember a couple of things. And this is the problem that the Calvinists really err heavily in. In Revelation chapter 22, it's uh, it says, I am Alpha and Omega, Jesus is speaking, I am Alpha and Omega, beginning in the end, first and the last. He says, I'm Alpha and Omega. That is so important because that means that God lives in all times present. Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He lives in all times present. I don't know anything like that. I, I, I look at milk carton, and when I buy it, I always try to get the date farthest out. Um, you buy a box of graham crackers, you're looking for the farthest date out. You look at your car, it's a 2021. 20, uh, everything I know has a date tied to it. But God lives in all times present. When the Bible uses the word predestined, it means that God already knows who will accept him and who doesn't. This is why I think it's so important. For God so loved the world. He died for everyone, but not everyone accepts him. And just because God knows ultimately who will accept him and who will reject him does not stop any person on this earth from having the freedom to either choose Christ or reject him. This is where they err horribly. This is why the Bible says to preach the gospel to every creature, not just Mm -hmm. to the predestinated ones. I cannot fault God because he knows all things. But because he knows all things, still does not stop any person on this earth that has ever lived and living now from choosing what they want to choose. And just because God knows that choice doesn't mean that God predestined them to go to hell. 
It's that God predestined in that he knows who accepts him and who doesn't accept him. Otherwise, preaching the gospel to every creature is a meaningless verse. For God so loved the world, also a lie. Whosoever would believe in him, another lie. Well, be careful when you start calling God a liar. John 3.16 is very clear. Whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. But again, just because God knows those who accept and those who reject does not take away the freedom of any individual that has ever lived. That's their choice. But because God already knows all things, that's why the Bible says he sees us seated with him in heavenly places. That's the good news. Dave, I hope that helps. You know, I, I, that's excellent, and I, I agree with you, and it helps a lot. I just, sometimes the other thing I was going to say, sometimes I feel like when they talk about God's sovereignty, it's like if, if somehow if man has a choice, okay, that, that God's sovereignty is somehow diminished. And I'm like, well, that's not true at all. God is completely so, sovereign whether I think so or not. And the fact that he gives me whatever choice he gives me, doesn't have anything to do with diminishing his sovereignty, but I sometimes I pick that up. They, they tie it back into sovereignty as well, and I'm like, I just don't see it. Well, no, because this world was turned over to Satan in the garden. That's why Noah had to build an ark to preserve humanity, whether than instead of God just going and frying all the bad people. No, it was left up to a human being to build an ark to redeem men. We also find Jesus Christ, a human being, also God, sent to this earth to redeem man. And this is what we have to understand. Whosoever will may come. That's exactly what the Bible says. But not everybody wants to come. Again, Jesus died for all predestined. Not all receive, so you can't blame God. And so that's the way we have to look at it. The problem with Calvinism, is that you have to begin to mark out of your Bible, Bible verses. For God so loved the world. I've even had them say, well, that really, that verse is not supposed to be in the Bible. They've actually said that because it doesn't agree with their dogma. Well, this is what our church believes, or this is what this great speaker, uh, religious person in America believes. No, then you have to start chopping up the Bible. So, is God? does God know everything? Yes. How would you say it, knowing that God knows everything? Well, I'd say from his perspective, yeah, we're predestined. But not because of God's doing this, but because God knows. Jo- Jacob I love, Esau I've hated, the Bible says. Well, why was God able to say that? Because he knew the decisions that Esau would make in his life and that he would remain unrepented. I can't blame God for that. You can't blame God. That, that's the problem that we find today. This is this, this idea that has permeated our country uh, in the judicial system, in the courts. Well, it's not really the criminal's fault It's that he had bad things or she had bad things happen to him. And that's what made him bad. No, it simply goes down to a decision that we make to rob that liquor store or to do whatever we're going to do. Now, just because, again, God knows all things doesn't stop any of us from making those decisions. And uh, again, just picture this, that God has the, uh, 
video library of every human being that's ever lived, past, present, or future. Um, God already God already knows what I'm going to do. And you know, this is some good news here. God knowing that even in my life as a Christian, I was going to goof up a lot. He still chose me to be on his team. I like that. That means that God's Absolutely. bigger than the things I've done wrong. And you've done wrong. And that's the good news of Jesus Christ. We go to heaven because God's good, not because we're good. And so preaching the gospel to every creature is an absolute meaningless verse that should be removed from Calvinistic ideas and theology because the purpose of it is meaningless. Those that'll figure it out will figure it out. But it doesn't say go preach the gospel to the predestinated ones. It says, and it breaks it down even lower, every creature. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, you are yet carnal in your beliefs. One of the interpretations for the word carnal in Strong's Concordance is the word animalistic. Paul says this, ye are yet animalistic in your behavior. After being born again, the Spirit of God living in you, you're still acting like an animal. And what does an animal do? Whatever it wants to do. Well, that's the problem. No moral conscience. So when I look at that, I realize that that God has a better way of doing things than I do. And when we surrender our life to Christ, even though it's uncomfortable at times in my life to do what God wants me to do, I still want to do what God wants me to do because I know in the end it's going to bless the kingdom of heaven. I'll get a reward for it, and I'll be able to sleep at night. That's the best news. Hope that helps. That's a blessing, pastors. Thank you. God bless you, Dave. Stay online if you like. Send you out a couple books, a couple of DVDs, a little book called Time to Grow. Great book to have around uh, for people like this. I think you'll enjoy that. So stay online. We'll get you fixed up. Let's go to Susan in uh, California. Hi, welcome. Hi, thanks for taking my call. My question is uh, um, in the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 7, where we're introduced to the 144,000 Israelites that come, uh, I believe they're referred to as the elect. In any case, these 12 individuals, Dan is not in the original, Dan is one of the original 12 yes. tribes of Israel, but Dan is not here. Manasseh is here. Do you know why? Some people believe because of the idolatry of Dan, the tribe of Dan. And the Bible says that that um, they were joined to their idols. And so we find that they're, they're not listed. We don't exactly know why they're not listed. There is just different assumptions. Your thoughts? Uh, I agree 100% right there. Uh, Dan was omitted because of idolatry. Uh, and uh, the God said this was going to happen to them. Now, you do see Dan uh, replaced again back into its position in the millennial reign of Christ. But in this particular preaching of the gospel during the tribulation period, this anointing, the sealing of the Spirit of God upon these 12 uh, tribes and 12,000 from each tribe, uh, Dan is omitted because of that idolatrous situation that occurred with them. That's back in, I believe it was uh, uh, Judges 18 and 1 Kings 12. So hopefully that helps. Yes, I hope that, I hope that uh, 
helps you. Does that does that help? One other quick question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. I knew there was something, but I couldn't remember what it was, and I just was reading through here and was curious. I have another kind of off the cuff question, and I we've been doing a, a women's study in Hebrews, and we're in uh, chapter nine, I think. In any case, the, this teacher was making the point that blood is used in this chapter quite a bit and you know how they the the priests would sprinkle the blood on the people and they'd Mm -hmm. sprinkle everything in the in the tabernacle and stuff now my question is all that stuff all that blood would build up over time but god never really goes into detail about telling them how to clean it up and he's very much into the details he told them you know, where to put your latrine outside the camp. You know, I mean, he was into the details. So uh, what, what, how do you, do you think when he accepted the the um, sacrifice, the offering or, or whatever it was that was um, going along with the blood, do you think that God cleaned it up? I think that's probably the duties of the priest and probably it was just a foregone conclusion. But your thoughts? Yeah, I would say the same thing, that uh, there's even places where blood could be run off, but uh, in the sprinkling thereof, I would say they would sprinkle it, they'd do their duties, they would honor God in that uh, that sacrifice and so forth. The Bible talks about life is in the blood. Of course, uh, the Lamb of God was slain uh, from the foundations of the world. The Lord Jesus Christ became our Passover Lamb. The death passed over each and every one of us by His precious and holy and righteous blood, which He atoned for our sins. And so uh, we we know that uh, we are cleansed uh, symbolically. We're washed of our sins perfectly, and we're now made holy in Christ. And so also with the Old Testament, I'm sure, as they did their sacrifices and the, and the job was done for that particular day of uh, sacrifices, they would then go forth and clean everything and have it prepared for the following day or the following Shabbat, or the following festival, whatever it might be. Mike? Yeah, I, I believe that would be the case as well. And so I hope that answers it for you. And again, if you want to know um, a little bit more about the the whole you know, thing with, with Dan, uh, we've, we find it recorded for us in the book of Judges, uh, chapter 18. It talks about their... Uh, their falling away, and many people believe this is why uh, they weren't uh, listed as being leaders, because they were given a portion of land, but they were not able to cast out the the um, the occupants of that in the promised land. They went northward, and as they went northward, they picked up some of the pagan uh, idol, uh, uh, idol practices and, and priests of, of the foreign gods, the very people that God sent the children of Israel in to chase out of the promised land, Dan became part of it. And so uh, that's found again in Judges 18. Just read the read the first uh, 20 or 30 verses there, and you'll see the picture. I hope that helps. Oh, thank you very much. Suzanne, God bless you. Stay online. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs for calling in today. I think you'll really enjoy them. And with that, we'll go to Kathy in Washington. Hi, welcome. Hello, how are you doing? Good, how may we help? Good, thank you. Okay, I have a question. My um, daughter's mother-in-law is Catholic. <laughs> and um, 
I go round and round with her about um, praying to Mary and the saints and all that stuff. And I've asked her time after time, well, show me scripture. I want scripture. So she sent me um, a scripture to read, which is Revelation 5, 8. And she says that's where they get in there where they pray they pray to the dead people in heaven. Oh my. And yeah. And then she says Mary's not dead, that Mary's still alive and show me scripture. You know, I'm always oh, show me scripture. I want scripture. I'm a scripture person. But I don't know how to respond to things that she says when like praying to the dead people and she said well you pray ask people to pray for you yeah i do but the people i ask to pray for are still alive here on earth they're not dead up in heaven you know they're still alive well the the problem is the the verse she gave you again you said it was revelation 5 8 yes let me read it for everybody so you can see just how totally ridiculous uh, that statement uh, to you, dear, would be. It says, now when I heard, when, excuse me, when, now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. To God, not to Mary. I, I mean, this doesn't logically even make any sense to support their idea. Yes, I believe God hears our prayers. I believe Um, they are incense to him in that we're saying, God, I trust you to fix this issue in my life. But nowhere ever in Scripture are we ever instructed to pray to anyone other than to God. Not Mary, not the saints. Nowhere do you find this ever. In fact, 1 Timothy 2.5 says, there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man. That is Christ Jesus. No Mary, no Apostle Paul or Peter or John or anybody else down through the history of ages. So that that is absolutely a ludicrous verse to try to prove bad doctrine. Hope that helps. Your thoughts. You know, I, I just taught on the Church of Thyatira, which represents the Catholic Church in the Book of Revelation uh, throughout its history of the Dark Ages. And that's where the institution of praying to Mary and the saints and so forth came came about. So if you want to go to our website at Calvary Chapel, Pearl Harbor, pull up my study on uh, Revelation chapter 2 of the Church of Thyatira, which I just did Sunday. I go into great details regarding uh, the Catholic doctrine of praying to Mary and the veneration of Mary, the uh, they they teach the sinlessness of Mary, the assumption of Mary, where she actually didn't die, and I went into great details regarding that, and then I gave the scriptural evidence that it's a false teaching and a false doctrine, but uh, you know the Bible declares there's one mediator between God and man, that is the man Christ Jesus who died and gave his life a ransom for many, that's found in First Timothy chapter two. Verses five and six. Jesus also reiterated in John's gospel, I think chapter 14, 15 and 16. He said several times, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. He never said in Mary's name, never said in Peter's name, never said in one of the saints names or Joseph's name, but he says in my name. And so to be, uh, to be biblically accurate, uh, we must follow the Holy scriptures and what they say, what Jesus taught us. Uh, he's the only mediator. 
and we pray in his name, in Jesus' name, and that's it. And Mary is not a co-redemptrix. Mary did not uh, die she, for she your sins. Die. Yeah, 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 exactly. And this, these are the false teachings. You know, the Bible declares that in the last days there's going to be deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And this is where we see these things happening, where Catholics are going to various apparitions of Mary in Fatima, in Medjugorje, and other places. And I'm, we're talking about the millions of people going to these various places uh, to experience these apparitions of Mary, which is all demonic. It is not of God. And you need to share with her and, and lead her to the truth of God's word. She needs to be born again of the Holy Spirit. So keep praying for her, keep sharing with her, keep loving her, and uh, don't don't quit on her. Uh, God has a plan for her life. Mike? Stay in line, Kathy. I'll send you a couple books, a couple of DVDs that may be very helpful to get into her hands so she can watch them, especially God of Wonders, because it goes back to not a relationship with God through the church, but goes to a relationship with God as him being your heavenly father and you being his child with nobody else in between. That's good. Religion always junks that up by getting their rules and regulations and all their hoop jumping and all that stuff. Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this matter, our Father, which art in heaven. It's, if you're my Father, I'm your child. I don't have to go through a priest or Mary or anybody else. It doesn't even logically make sense. It doesn't fit the rest of the Bible. Kathy, say along. We'll get you taken care of, okay? I tell him, pray how Mary prays. You know, Mary prays directly to God, Jesus, right? Yeah. In their eyes. And that's what I tell her. I say, well, pray like Mary prays instead of praying to Mary. Absolutely. There's one mediator. Again, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, 6. There's one mediator between God and man, and that is Christ Jesus. So I hope that helps, dear. Again, stay in line, and uh, God bless you. Let's go to Josh, Oklahoma. we got time for one more. Maybe hurry. How can we help? Can you tell me the context of Numbers chapter 19? And the reason why I'm asking that is someone mentioned to my wife that there is some, it sounds weird, and I've never heard of it before, uh, red heifer that has to be built before uh, the third temple can be built. Is that, I've never heard that, and maybe it's true. And they referenced Numbers 19, but I don't, I mean, I don't know. I just figured I'd ask you guys. From the Jewish perspective, yes, they are looking for the red heifer. You just returned from Israel. Uh, Daryl, tell us. Yeah, they are looking for the red heifers. It has to be perfect, without blemish of any kind. And uh, actually, I think they just had like six red heifers sent yes, to them from yes. Texas. And uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to receive those. I think there might be a problem with it from what I was reading. I don't know all the details. But, yeah, they're looking for that red heifer. And, of course, they want to get that temple rebuilt. Uh, it'll be, uh, for them, It's it'll be a third temple, but it'll be a false work. Uh, it's, uh, they're thinking it's going to be Ezekiel's temple, but it's not going to be Ezekiel's temple. It'll be a temple that they're allowed to build by the Antichrist. So we need to pray that their eyes be open to the truth. Mike? Amen. And that's found also in Revelation chapter 11, where John is told to go measure that temple that is not yet built. But it will be that's right. very soon. Hope that helps, Josh. They like send you books and DVDs. Daryl, thanks so much for being on. Kathy, Charlie, please call us tomorrow. We'll put you on the very first thing. And again, remember, keep looking up. Our Lord's coming soon. God bless you. Good night. More about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call one 357 4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, PO Box three nine one Twin Falls, Idaho eight three three zero three. 
That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes Store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 